where I was raised in my later years. My dad was a minister. I felt the call of Africa then. Just a little synopsis of our life. Uh, I went to Des Moines, Iowa, to the old Bible college, and uh, met Joan, and we transferred then out to Pasadena, California, where Steve was born. And then we, our first church was at Janesville, Wisconsin. A mother church in Rockford, Illinois called us, and we went to this large church. It covered a whole city block, the church did. And uh, little did we know, 20 years later, we would be senior pastors of that church. But anyway, we came to Jefferson. And, uh, you know, Satan is alive and well, but greater is he is within us than as he's within the world. And I was thinking today, as we were pastoring here in Jefferson, I got a call one morning about seven o'clock on a Monday. And it was a sheriff from Granger down by Des Moines. And he said, uh, I watched your television show. Uh, somehow Des Moines Register got our name. We were having a revival and they put a front page ad of our church. And then a TV station said, well, we'd like to have you live on our channels, so the TV stations came up and had our church services. And in one of the sermons I preached, I talked about casting out devils. And uh, he said, we got the superintendent of schools in the Methodist church down here, and she's tore up all the Bibles in the church, and she's foaming at the mouth, and we're afraid to do anything. I told my deputy, he said to go handcuff her, and he went up, and she let out a blood-curdling scream, and he said, I haven't seen her since, so I don't know where, I have where the sheriff is, or the deputy is. And he said, I saw your sermon that uh, you cast out devils. Do you do it in America? <laughs> I said, the devil's the devil no matter where he is. And so there was a man in my church that was uh, one of the elders named Leonard Alexander. And he said, if you ever have an opportunity to cast out devils, please call me. I want to go with you. And I said, okay. So I called him and he got in the car, went down to the church. And the church was similar to this one where you couldn't see the front door. I touched the front door handle and the lady that was demon possessed screamed out, Harold Pope, get out of here. We don't want, I don't want you in here. And uh, Leonard Alexander says, well, maybe I'll just pray in the car. <laughs> I said, you come with me. You're going in with me. He said, what will I do in there? I said, you go to the altar when we get in there. So when he got in there, he ran to the altar. He hit the altar real hard. And I went in there with my Bible. And she began to scream and foam with the mouth. And it was an awful sight. She was up on the platform. I said, I come to you with the word of God and the name of Jesus. And she let out a blood-curdling scream saying, I don't want to hear that name of Jesus. The closer I got to her, the louder she screamed. And finally, she jumped off the platform and run down an aisle, pretty long aisle, and I tackled her. I don't know why, but I just tackled her in the aisle. And I rebuked the devil, and, and she was set free and became a wonderful Christian. And then, so, you know, it don't make any difference whether you're in Africa or in America. Satan is alive and well. I have some things on the table. Steve, come up here, if you will, please. Steve was seven, and my daughter was four, and my youngest son was six months old when we went to Africa. And uh, we had a lot of snakes, uh, snakes everywhere, snakes in our house, 
A lot of snakes in our house. Joan, during the rainy season, it was six months rainy season, we got 280 inches of rain. So we couldn't hang the clothes outdoors, so we hung them upstairs along the, on the clothesline. And I went up there several times. I had a little pistol with birdshot in it. It was, saved me from blowing a hole in the roof or whatever. And uh, I went up there one time, and there was a green mama snake, one of the Ted Deadly snakes in the world, hanging right down where she was hanging clothes. And so he met his demise then. And one evening I came in. We had a little generator that I run three hours a day for electricity. I came back, and Joan was sitting there reading, and she said, um, a cobra just came in with you. And I didn't see it, but it crawled right in there. We had concrete floors, so it was easy to step on her head and kill them. But we, we had snakes, a lot of snakes. And I got a few snake stories. But if you don't like snakes, why, you'd really have to pray over going to Liberia because... They were in the house. One night we were sitting on the Davenport reading and we heard we had a bamboo ceiling so the air could flow through it. And we heard a snakeskin kind of rattling noise and it started coming right through the ceiling where the snake was laying up there in the, up in the attic shedding its skin. And I, I began to pull it and tried to get it all down. But we had, we had a lot of snakes. Well, here's one of the snakes we killed on the mission station. My first trip interior... My first trip interior, I had one of these fall on my neck. This is the python, and of course they're bigger than this, but this is about a 15-footer. Killed that on the mission station. He was looking for one of my kids to have a meal, I think. This is elephant ivory. I know it's illegal to have it in the country nowadays, but in the 60s, you could bring it home. So if there's a law person here... Please don't pay any attention to that. <laughs> My kids, we had a little cricket run through the mission station. We had a little pond there where the kids swam, and we killed this little crocodile in their little swimming hole. We, there are several things here. This, this is what's called kafu medicine. You'll learn a little bit more about that a little bit later. It's witchcraft medicine. has no power at all, of course. This is a leopard skin cap. Our main... Adversary, I would say, outside of snakes was leopards. And uh, one night when I went to turn the lights out of the mission, about a city block. Our mission was 100 acres, and we used about 40 acres of it. But a leopard climbed from branch to branch over me, that city block, to get to the house. And I don't know if I broke any records, but I, I got there pretty quick. <laughs> Hardly anybody knows what this is. It's an elephant's tail. And uh, we ate some elephant meat. The trunk of an elephant tastes a lot like ham and the feet. And uh, we ate a lot of, lot of different things over there. You can come up and look at these things. This is a, I used to blow this thing, but I don't have the energy to blow it anymore. That was a town a chief's call to the people. A decorative knife. Hardwood. This, this was a very powerful thing. A witch doctor, if you had a, a court session, somebody committed a crime of some kind, stealing was the biggest crime there. You could kill and get by with it, but if you stole something, you was in trouble. And if Steve was guilty, hit him on the shoulder, and next day he was gone. <laughs> this is leopard teeth from leopard that we had 
killed. I don't know if I can do this game, but uh, they had a lot of funny rules there. We were in a very primitive area. We were with tribes of cannibals, and uh, they believed in cannibalism, and they had a lot of different rules. That's probably 150 miles interior with my carrier boy. I came to a village and told them I wanted to talk to them about Jesus. The witch doctor brought this game here out. And he said, see these four uh, palm seeds on this side and four on this side? He said, if you can take one of these palm seeds and put it through that little hole, then you can tell us about Jesus. But if your Jesus isn't strong enough to tell you how to do that, then we don't want to even hear from you. Well, I don't know much about these games, and I, I pulled it. I don't even know if I can do it today. But. Help me, Steve. Get that seed through there. Run that seed right up through there. Here. Let's start over. I say we leave the village. This isn't... <laughs> <laughs> Long, I yeah, me either. But I'll try one more time. I guess I'm not going to get it done. But anyway, about 30 seconds or so, the Lord, no, I was hoping I could do this. The Lord gave me the wisdom to do this. Okay, this is the last shot. I'm not going to do this. <laughs> like this. There you go. Like that. Well, I'm sure making a mess of it today. You did it. There it is. Fifty years is a long time to forget something like that. Thanks, Steve, for your help. I have uh, quite a few slides that I wanted to show about uh, our time in Africa. I traveled for two years raising funds. First time I raised funds for one year, then we went to Africa, then I came back and raised funds and went back. Africa the second time. And we were on an Old Liberty World War II ship. And they wanted us to take that ship because they said, I'd been traveling for about a year raising funds and I needed the rest. It took us 29 days with three small children on that ship with one little room to uh, live in. And we managed, we made it. We stopped in several countries getting there, unloading things. But it was, it was quite a journey, and we were ready to get to our mission station when we got there. Okay, I've got some slides I want to show you. And this is the African Crescent, the ship that we went on. Well, there we were on the ship. I guess I hit it too quickly. This is our mission station, 150 miles away from the nearest road. In three years, we never talked to anyone outside of the mission station. There was no phone calls to our family, 
no correspondence in any way, shape, or form. Never heard the voice of our family for three years. We got mail once in a while. So once in a while it would come every three, four weeks. Sometimes it'd go six, eight weeks. Rainy season, planes couldn't fly. We had a little airstrip outside of the mission station about seven miles where they brought us into the mission station. But that's our, I built quite a few of those buildings there. There were other missionaries there prior to us being there. But I built a school and a clinic and just other buildings. This is our Christmas card. Steve is the one on the left in the front. Isn't that precious? <laughs> Pastor Dave, I had six women on a, for three years. We, we prayed that God send another man and there was a, a football player from the University of Oregon. He was a linebacker, 6'2", 250 pounds. And he felt called to a mission station, so he came. And I said, now, Bob, I said, you were going about three-day journey, and you got to eat what the people serve you. We can't carry our food with us, and you got to act like you like it, because otherwise they'll feel disrespect from you. Well, the first time we ate monkey, he didn't hardly eat anything. And I said, Bob, you got to eat. We're three miles, uh, three days journey from the mission station. And I can't carry you, I know that. <laughs> Going through the jungles is really tough. A lot of trees down, you got to get on and crawl on the ground and a lot of swamps to go through. And it, it, it was really uh, tough going. But uh, after we were up there about a week, he, he wouldn't eat, he wouldn't even eat uh, deer that they had killed for us, gazelle. He just wouldn't eat any of that stuff. I had to hire six guys to carry him back to the mission station, and he lasted about, he and his family lasted about three or four weeks. I don't remember how long they were there, but, so I lost my help. I hated that. But these are, are there some nurses there, teachers, great, great people, great gals. The lady next to Joan, Joan's in the black there, it looks like, is the one that spoke gave me the call of the mission field. That's their house, and it was a job keeping. Termites get into the wood and eat all the inside of the wood out, and the ladies would call, so one of our windows fell out. So that was job keeping the buildings up, doing all the mission work. This is our Cadillac that we had on the, <laughs> our Vespa. This is the thugs in, that took guard over our mission station. Steve's in the middle. You know how tough he is. Steve and a monkey and some hawks that we would kill. People there would eat anything. Can you imagine somebody bringing me an elephant? They wanted me to buy this elephant. That'd be a job raising something like that, wouldn't it? <laughs> it's a little crocodile and an anteater they brought us. They wanted us to buy for our pets. The animal in the middle is a mongoose. Mongooses kill uh, hooded cobras. So I brought it to see if it would work with our two cats, and they chased each other around the house, and he acted like he was another cat. <laughs> That's our house in the mission station. The 
between the roof, there's an opening to let ventilation through other ways. Of course, there's no air conditioning, anything like that there in this, in this over 100 half the year. And that's how the snakes crawl up there and got into our house so often. This is uh, Rebecca, our gal down in the basement washing our clothes. Our, our water, our water, we got either rainwater or we went to a little creek and we had a filter to filter it. And when I was traveling, I had to drink out of my little water bottle and that's all the water I could drink. This is our mission boys. We had 24 mission boys. I think it wasn't 24 mission girls. We brought them out of the jungle, put clothes on them, and they went through K through eighth grade. And uh, three of these in this picture we brought over to the United States so they could get education and brought them to Des Moines Bible School. One of them today is a lawyer in Philadelphia. One of them is a pastor in Mississippi. And one of them is a, a professor at the University of Texas. We didn't get them back to Liberia. They married girls from America. And, but we had others come and go back. So we fed these kids and they mowed our yard and they cooked some of our meals and we had a lot of jobs for them besides their schooling. This is our church and Pastor Dave. Some people left Saturday afternoon to come to the service. They walked 20, 30 miles through swamps just to come to one three-hour service and then take their family back home. Our church there run about three or 400, I'd say. This is our, have, I, have we seen this one yet? No. This is our pastors. We had, seven, we had 21 pastors for 21 churches that we established. And 17 of our pastors were former witch doctors. I figured if we could get them to find Christ, they were such leaders of the village and people were so fearful of them. I felt if they found Jesus Christ into their life, they'd be a great influence in winning people to Christ. And then they really were. So 17 of the 21 pastors were former witch doctors. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. That elephant tail in that picture is on the table here. He's a hunter. And uh, some of the foods we ate were this snake. Snake was pretty good. It was like chicken breast, actually, in taste. Ate a lot of monkey and uh, a lot of deer, gazelle type things. They gave me these ivory. They weighed 100 pounds apiece. They'd be worth a lot of money here, wouldn't they? Couldn't bring them home, of course. They were too heavy. This is a house I stay in. When you go into a village, they always have one house that's for travelers. And sometimes that, don't get, that house don't get used for six, eight months or so. And so when I went to bed that night, there's rats running on the inside rafters all over the place, which is common. I mean, it wasn't unusual that the rats were running all over. And they squeal and they fall on your bed and they run back up. And uh, every night in Africa when I was traveling back interior, that happened every night. I mean, you really do get used to it. It's just part of, it's part of the function of sleeping there. And uh, the night that I stayed in this place, I always took a sheet with me. We only had one suitcase to take. I had a sheet with me, and I, there's so many uh, uh, bugs biting you in the beds that the sheet helped a little bit. 
I woke up in the middle of the night. I had the, the door open because it was so hot, and it was a moonlit night. And I felt something heavy on my chest, and I opened my eyes, and a hooded cobra was looking right down in my face, about a 12-foot hooded cobra. That happened twice to me. And I slowly lifted the sheet over his head, and he took off and got out of there. One night, I woke up. I felt something near me, and it was a, a man standing over me with his machete, raised above his head with both hands. And I said, in Jesus' name, get out of here. And he took off like scalded cat. I mean, he got out of there, but there was those types of dangers all the time. He just accepted that style of living. In this village, I came into the, we gave a lot of these clothes to these people, and they, they got them from other missionaries. Jones in the middle of that picture. It's one of our churches. Jones waiting in the jungle. We had three, three villages cut a strip in the trees big enough for us to land our little Piper Cub in there. They're waiting for the plane to come. That's our youngest son and Vicky. I don't know what Steve's doing. He's probably, he had a slingshot. He's always shooting something. So maybe he's always shooting something. This is a little cub, Piper Cub. Uh, I flew quite a bit with his brother. He's a Baptist brother. One time we took off to go about 200 miles to a village I had seen as we were flying and we were going to land on a creek bed. And uh, just before we got there, it started raining. And in that time of year, it never rains. And it rained so hard, there's no, no way to, just follow on the river is the only way you knew where you were at. But it rained so hard, you couldn't see the river. And he, we started circling and circling. It kept raining, kept raining. He said, well, get some of those things in the back and put them in front of us because we're going down. So I packed us all tightly in there. Just he and I were long there in my carrier boy. And uh, we circled for a good 30, 40 minutes. And he said, I'm about out of gas. So we prayed that the Lord would help us as we crashed. In just one instant, the clouds opened, and it would look straight down, and there was our very river bed that we were supposed to land on. We dropped in there and landed, and it rained for two days after that. So God protected us. Uh, the people were, didn't build the airstrips as long as we wanted them to. They got a little tired. Of, and every time we left one of those little places, why the props hit the tops of the trees, just leaves flying everywhere. This brother here, a few years after this, went down and lost his life. This is Joan, and I think Steve's up in front there, at the very front. But going through swamps often, you look down and there's snakes swimming right along beside you. Here they are in a dugout canoe. Steve's in my canoe where I took the picture. They're headed for a village not too far away from where we were at. Those, those logs that went across the river, the water gets high, they bounce up and down, it's quite a tree. Joan's here in the back grabbing, grabbing those, uh, that stick so tight. Sometimes I think uh, she about broke some of those branches grabbing with both hands. I can't get it to go, obviously. This is dried meat. When I traveled interior for weeks at a time, Sometimes I had dried meat uh, five days out of the week. 
I was in a village with a bunch of dry meat like this, and when I break it open, it's full of maggots, just solid with maggots. And I was picking the maggots out like I always did, and the town chief came over to me and said, what are you doing? I said, I'm taking the maggots out of this. And he said, what have the maggots been eating? I said, well, they've been eating meat. Well, he said, then why are you taking them out? They just got meat in them. So from then on, I just didn't even think about it. I just ate what was there. <laughs> you got to have a pretty good stomach. One time I was eating a meal, probably five days journey interior, and it was like filet mignon. I'm not kidding you. It was the most tender, wonderful meat I'd ever eaten. And I said to the hunter, what on earth is this? He said, it's a sloth. And whenever I could get sloth to eat, boy, that was, that was really, really tasty and good. But we ate snake and, you know, anything that walked, crawled, and breathed while we ate it because that was set before us. That's one reason why that guy from Oregon couldn't make it, I guess. Here they killed me at a little water deer that's fresh meat, so I was very happy about that. Change. This is a fish trap. I have one of those fish traps here. It's always nice to have fresh fish. But a lot of people have asked me about the bathroom facilities. Well, 90% of the villages, the bathroom facilities is out in the jungle. You go out in the jungle. You got to go in the middle of the night. You do a lot of praying before you get back. I tell you that because swarming of snakes and all kinds of creatures out there at night. But they had certain places. Some people build a bridge across the creek. And then they put a, a stool up there where you could sit and go to the bathroom. Anybody could watch you that wanted to. There's no privacy over there. So... And uh, they always ate the fish below the bathroom place, too, because they were fatter fish. <laughs> Here I'm drinking some water. The only one time when I was way interior, I came on a beautiful uh, place that had well water springing up. I mean, it was beautiful blue water, and there's no villages within miles of that place, and I thought... And I was hot and walking so many miles that day. I put my face down there and drank it. It was ice cold. I always drank hot water because all I had was my water bottle. I had to boil all our water. And uh, man, did I pay for that for the next couple of days. I was, I was a busy man. The man on the left is a Liberian soldier. The man on the right has committed a crime. He's stolen something. So they tie that branches of a tree to his back. And every village he goes through, he has to go through seven villages. Every village he goes through, they line up two lines, and he has to walk between those lines, and they beat him with sticks and everything. He will not have any teeth. His arms will be broken in several places before he gets through there. And uh, no doctors back in there. He just has to heal the best way he can. That's cocoa, a lot of cocoa trees. The lady sitting in the chair is what we call a kafu mother. In, in the uh, cannibalism ritual, she is the lady that takes the heart, the liver, and other parts of the body, cuts it up in little pieces, 
and cooks it in a certain way. And then everybody in the village has to eat it. They've had either a drought or they've had a bunch of illness go through the village or something. So they all come to your house and you have to sacrifice your oldest son. If you, have, you don't have an oldest son, then you have to choose someone in that family to, to be sacrificed. And that's the way, that's just the way of the devil is. You know, they, well, this lady here was saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and she has become a great, she had a beautiful voice, wonderful singer. The Lord redeemed her by the blood of the Lamb. These are Kafu girls taking training for learning what I just told you about. This is one of the congregations of the church that we have the pastors right in the middle of white shirt. They, so many of the church people gave their lives. Just last month I got a, a, a magazine from the Liberian church situation and they're rebuilding all the churches. All the churches were burnt and tore down during that revolution in the 80s. A lot of the congregations were murdered, and it was a sad situation, but it, it's growing. It's really growing now in the Lord. It's another one of the churches. This particular place, I was on a trail to go to a certain village, and when we got to the turnoff where we always turn, it was just elephant tracks. There's nothing but elephant tracks, so we knew the village had moved somewhere else, and we didn't know where. So we followed the elephant trail and we came to another trail and we took it and we went until dark. I mean, it was really dark. We thought we was gonna to have to sleep in the jungle that night. And I got to the village and uh, this first, I was the first white man that had ever been to that village. Some of the people run in the jungle screaming, afraid the devil showed up. And uh, the little kids like to come and run their hands through my hair because my hair is so different than theirs and feel my skin, skin it was so soft. An old lady come to me and she says, my husband's dying and he needs to talk to you. So I went back in the little hut, went back in there. And he said, why have you come here? I said, I've come to here to tell you a wonderful story. He said, I had a dream 30 years ago that a white man would come to my village and he would tell me about a certain person, but I've forgotten his name. And I said to him, was the name Jesus? He began to weep, just shaking, weeping. He said, that's the name. He said, that's the name. Jesus, yes. So he called the town chief. He said, get all the people together and listen to this man. And whatever he tells you, you do it because He's come to tell us about Jesus that I dreamed about 30 years ago. Had a service, the whole village accepted Christ in their lives. Two days later, the man passed away. So that getting on the wrong path was guided by the Holy Spirit for sure. Everybody takes a bath out in front. It's this little boy's time, but dad will be out there and all the other boys and girls will take a bath out of that one bucket. There may be six people and they'll all take a bath out of that one bucket. They take it out in the middle, out in the middle of the village, naked. Nakedness means nothing to them. They said, man is a man and a woman is a woman. Get over it. So here's some fresh meat. Always a blessing. A goat. 
These pastors gave me a goat coming into this place. One of my least favorites, but, and that leopard skin cap I got there, this regional chief gave me that. He said, this is for all you're doing for our people. Our mission station was such a model mission station that President Tubman, who was president of Liberia at that time, flew to our mission station on various occasions and showed other people from mostly America that wanted to build a mission station somewhere else. He said, this is what we want. We want a school, we want a clinic, and we want a Bible school to teach our pastors. And the president of the country came to our mission station every now and then and showed people our mission station. So we thank God that we were used that way. This is a termite hill, and uh, termites are about half inch long. They'd dig into that hole and there'd be millions of them in there. They throw them in, uh, in palm, uh, not palm oil, but uh, anyway in oil. And fry them, and they were good. When I could get a bucket of them, that was, that was good. I liked eating popcorn. Steve, <laughs> this is one of my, one of my buddies, suffer the little children to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. I was a little thinner back in those days. Yeah. Here's a rice field. They just, rice is the main staple and meat, of course. And this is a farmer. He accepted the Lord and he gave 10% of his increase to the church, which fed the families that were very poor. This is coffee. We had 1,500 coffee trees on our mission station. I dried them out on these pieces of metal, and we got $1 for a 100-pound bag. Somebody's making money. It wasn't us. This is a, I'm trying to show the lady how to do her job. This is people gathering water. Little kids, when they're real small, learn to carry that water. You can't see that this is an ant trail. Those driver ants, and boy, do they bite. When you pick a driver ant off, you, the head comes off, and you gotta pull the head out, and you're bleeding. And uh, one night in our home, Joan got up to go to the bathroom. Sorry, Joan. But she let out a wail, and I didn't know what on earth was going on. Because a little while before that, she started screaming. A snake was crawling up her leg when we first went there. And uh, we didn't have electricity, of course, and I had a flashlight beside the bed. Well, I hit the flashlight under the bed. So I had to get out of the bed while she's hollering, crawl under the bed, get the flashlight, see what it was. She thought it was a snake. It was just one of the big lizards that we had in the house. We learned to tuck our mosquito net under after that. But these ants, she got up and they were, they covered the stool lid, of course. And, uh, but when we got the flashlight and flashed it on the wall, you could not see the wall. There are multi-millions of them. And there's cockroach wings flying everywhere and they, they completely clean your house out. If you got mice, we always had a lot of cockroaches. They totally cleaned it out. You give them about three hours and they leave. They're gone. Just one of the blessings of being a missionary. <laughs> These 
our, some of our students at the school that graduated, one of our missionary ladies was a seamstress, so she really fixed them up nice. Most of these kids are brought to the mission station totally naked, didn't have a stitch of clothes. Now they got an eighth grade education, part of our ministry. Whenever they wanted to have a meeting, when I come into a village, the drummer always went out and began to beat the drum and everybody would come together for the meeting, deciding what to do with me. Well, let me preach or leave. I only had one village that wouldn't let me stop. This man has two green mamba snakes around his neck, top 10 deadliest snakes in the world. His son was my carrier that carried my suitcase whenever I went interior. He told me one time, my dad is a witch doctor and he has a deep pit in, at the house. He said it has, it's full of snakes and he sleeps with those snakes quite often. His name was Ba. And I said to him one time, have your dad come up to the mission station sometime so I can see him in his snakes. So he came with those two green mamas. You can only see one head, but there's two snakes there. And uh, I said, Bob, I bet you broke the fangs out of those snakes so they don't have fangs. So he opened the mouth and the fangs hanging down. He stuck his tongue in the snake's mouth. But the snakes would obey him. We had a, a path in front of our house there, and I told him, I said, tell those snakes to go down that path. So they went down the path about 50 yards, and uh, he said, stop, and they stopped. He told one to come back, it came back, he named the other, and it came back around his neck. And I told him, I said, I would like to come to your house sometime to see your snake pit. So I went, and while I was there, I began to testify to him about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. He said, yeah, my son's told me all about that. So you could just feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit upon this man. He began to tremble. And I thought, boy, what's happening here? And he said, you know your power is stronger than my power. I'm shaking like a child. And I said, if you allow the Lord to come into your life, he'll change you forever. He said, I want to do that. He said, well, I have to get rid of my snakes. I said, when you accept Jesus into your life, you will want to get rid of those snakes. He accepted Christ as his personal Lord and Savior, became a real witness for Jesus Christ. Look at his face now, burdened by the wages of sin. The next picture is him with his wife, the same man. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Isn't it wonderful what God can do to a life? Clean it up. He became a wonderful helper and worker around there. And his wife also found Christ as her Savior. And they came to our mission church. This little boy was about five days journey interior. I don't know how old he is. Two, three, four years old. I went to the town chief and I said, Chief, I want to take that boy home to my mission station and I want to put clothes on him, educate him. When he was born, his mother died. Then he was, because of that, he was a cursed child in that village. Couldn't stay in any house. He had to stay outdoors all the time. People fed him from time to time. You can't see it very clearly, but his toes and his fingers are black. He's got jiggers, we call them. And 
Steve and all of our family got them from time to time. They get under your fingernails and your toenails. You don't know they're there. And all at once you'll touch something, it'll hurt real bad. And it's a, like a maggot worm that is born under your skin. And taking those out of our kids and out of ourselves, I mean, you almost faint. It's terribly painful. He must have hundreds of them in his hands and his feet. I, I told the chief, I, I need to take him. He said, you can't. He's a cursed child. So I, I tried everything I could. I offered to give a lot of clothes. You know, I tried to bribe him, to be honest with you, to get the child because I went over to him and, and I said, I want to teach you a little song. He said, okay. I said, Ja Jesus Bamu, Ja Jesus Bamu, Krepa Chide Chimbu, which means, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Two days I was holding a meeting there. Two days later, I went over to sing with him and talk to him again. He was laying on the ground. I reached down and touched him. He was cold. He had passed away. Really, that's a picture of the world. The world needs Jesus. They need somebody to love them and care for them. And that's our ministry, isn't it? Heavenly Father, we're so thankful. You told us all to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Sometimes our world is our neighborhood. It's our street. It's our job where we're working. Lord, I pray that we'll have a compassion for lost souls. I believe time is short and Jesus coming soon. And Lord, give us a burden for the lost, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Dave. Well, hallelujah. Wasn't that a blessing? Glory to God. We need that once in a while, don't we? <clears throat> to be reminded of what this is all about. It's more than just, you know, thank God for the many blessings that are available to us, but to be reminded that there's a world out there that doesn't know Jesus yet and they need the opportunity to hear. And uh, so let's, let's, let's pick up the challenge because I take this as a challenge that we need to go into this world and preach the gospel to every creature and uh, not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that will believe but how will they believe unless they hear and how shall they hear unless there be a preacher and uh, so praise the Lord thank you brother for sharing with us appreciate you and your family so God is good isn't he amen well, I don't know if you knew this or not, but uh, Becky and I had a little bit of an anniversary, and so, come here. Got to get her shoes back on. So, 50 years this woman put up with me. Ain't she cute? She just, uh, I, I just, God blessed me so much. I'm married so above myself. And so she's, uh, 
But for all the greetings that we got from you all on Facebook and different things, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Yeah. But uh, God's good. Amen. Just think, hang in there for 50 years, you could, you could look like this. I just want to say that this is what covenant looks like. When you make a decision, you know, when you make a covenant and a promise with God, it isn't about how you feel or how things, even though, he, you know, I look great, he says, but, um, <laughs> you know, there are always good times and difficult times, and you don't base that decision on whether or not it's a good time or a bad time. You, you made a decision. You know, that's what I, I talk about, brushing my teeth. I don't even think about, should I brush my teeth this morning? I've already made that decision. Well, that's what marriage is. If you make that decision, then that's your decision. Mm -hmm. And that covenant that you make with God, that promise you make with God is eternal. And it, he always works things out for good. Amen? Amen. You would agree, wouldn't you, Harold? Say 62 years. 62. Yeah. So we got a ways to go. We've got a few things we'd like to add yeah. to that. Oh. You guys can have a seat. Oh. Sure. Alex? Yeah. 